Star Wars 7 by 7 episode 2758. So yesterday I kicked off our review of chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett by saying that it kind of leaves more questions than answers and not from a cliffhanger perspective. <laughs> and then I left you on a cliffhanger by not really digging into that. So yeah, today we're going to really dig into that, alright? Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voilot and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy and thank you so much for joining me for it. So, with Chapter 4 of the Book of Boba Fett, The Gathering Storm, there's one major choice that happens right away and by the way, we are in full spoiler territory again, so there's your fair warning. There's one major storytelling choice that happens right away that just seems so darn confusing and that is the jump in time within the flashback time period. So the last thing that we saw of Boba Fett in the flashback time space was in chapter 3 and it was when the Kinton Striders had massacred the Tusken Raider camp that he had been initiated into. So when that happened, he just kind of, you know, burned everything and then walked away. And then suddenly in The Gathering Storm in Chapter 4, he's alone in the desert and he's looking to see if he can get his ship back. But then the next thing that happens is that he finds Fennec Shand. And that's how we know that suddenly we've jumped five years into the future. And it means that he did nothing with the Kinton Striders after he found the Tusken Raiders killed. And that's pretty much confirmed with the rest of the episode when he doesn't go after the Kinton Striders until after he gets his ship back. But how strange a decision is this? Why wouldn't he have decided to get revenge on the Kinton Striders on behalf of his newly adopted family? I mean, he certainly handled himself very well when he stole the speeder bikes from them, like walking into that little bar and took out four or five of them with the greatest of ease. And he is supposed to be the most fearsome bounty hunter in the galaxy. So how is it that he could not have waged a one-man terror campaign against the Kinton Striders as a result of what they did to the Tusken Raiders. It just seems so odd to me that he would just see that and then, you know, I keep thinking of the TV show Arrested Development and there was an episode where every you know, so often something happened in the episode to various characters and they would walk away with their heads hanging low and you would hear the music from uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, the Christmas Time Is Here song playing the Vince Guaraldi music, which is uh, just so brilliant in general. But yeah, just this hysterical like, like walking away. And that's basically what Boba Fett did, which just seems really not in character for him. So we're supposed to believe that he just moped in the desert for years as a result of this, and that he didn't put two and two together and think to himself, this could be a little fishy at all. And like, the moment that he rescues Fennec and tells her about this, she's like, yeah, it seems highly unlikely that these Kinton Striders could have just slaughtered a bunch of these Tusken Raiders. So presumably we're gonna find out something different about this, but 
you know, he's talking to her about, yeah, you know, we're smarter than all these ridiculous crime lords that get us into all these problems and we could be avoiding this stuff and we should be doing our own thing. It's great, but he can't see right in front of his face that <laughs> this is not what happened. And whether it's emotional or logical, he still did nothing with it. Like, it's just, it. that one is a particularly confusing and frustrating choice to me and so basically i'm putting out a plea if you have a different take on this i would love to hear it so chime in wherever there are comments where the show goes live or at home base at sw7x7.com but you know the only explanation that i can think of at this point is that they're going to have some sort of you know face off between Boba Fett and the Pike leader and he's going to find out that the Pikes were responsible or behind the Kinton Strider Tuscan massacre and that's going to provide him the additional motivation he needs to beat the Pikes in that particular moment but yeah it's still uh, still kind of an iffy situation and speaking of his ship it does seem strange that they just kept that thing sitting around in the hangar for five years and did nothing with it I mean they didn't strip it down for parts they didn't you know, seemed to be flying it around because when Boba Fett got in it, he said it was rusty and he didn't think it would necessarily start up or he had a moment where he was like not sure if it would. So clearly it wasn't being used. So in that case, it wasn't like Bib Fortuna was saying, ha, ah, like here, now I've got my own spacecraft. It's Boba Fett's old ship. Isn't that great? And I can go tooling around in it, but he didn't go tooling around in it or anything like that because it's just been sitting there unused and in disrepair. So that decision from the storytelling perspective, it still doesn't have any logic. So it just feels like the logic is, oh, Boba Fett's gonna need his spaceship at some point in the future for our storytelling purposes. So let's just keep it garaged someplace. But yeah, we still need kind of the storytelling justification. And by the way, I know there's a whole foo happening about the naming of Boba Fett's starship and I don't care. <laughs> And <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way. I know that there's some discussion about the use of the word fire spray, which is actually the kind of ship it is. So basically, it would be like calling the Millennium Falcon a YT-1300. That's the same as calling Boba Fett ship a fire spray. And, you know, the same as like calling my car a Toyota or whatever. So, you know, if that's what they want to call it, then great. Call it that. In fact, considering that Boba Fett made a point of identifying the Pikes as slavers running, you know, slave labor on Kessel, for him to actually have a moment to say, you know what, like, I'm going to name my ship something else because I don't like these slavers and my ship's name has slave in it, so I'm going to just rechristen it. Like... I'd be totally cool with him doing that in the show too. All right, for a third big question, like they open a can of worms with one throwaway line and it just, it ain't out there. Since I mentioned Bib Fortuna, I figured we'll just go into this one, which is, you know, at one point Boba Fett and Fennec Shand are sitting around the campfire and he says to her, that bloated pig double crossed me. How did Bib Fortuna double cross Boba Fett? We have no information on this whatsoever. And if I've missed something, then I'll run <laughs> with the Department of Corrections tomorrow. But I've watched the episode a couple of times. I don't know how Boba Fett has arrived at the notion that Bib Fortuna has double crossed him somehow. I mean, it certainly doesn't have anything to do with the Kinton Striders or the Pikes. And, you know, why would it have anything to do with the fact that 
he's still holding on to Boba Fett's spaceship. Like, how is that a double cross? How does Bib Fortuna even know that Boba Fett is alive to begin with to be able to double cross him? Like, at what point could he have done that? I mean, I've watched the episode twice and I, I still don't see it. And even thinking back to War of the Bounty Hunters and how there had been a price put on Boba Fett's head after he lost Han Solo in his carbonite block and he went to Jabba's palace and Bib Fortuna was there and invited all the other bounty hunters out to see him. Like, that's not even really a double cross because he had to know that that was happening and the bounty was already on his head at that point. So yeah, it's just another one I don't quite understand. Understand. Now, fourth thing that just just seems strange, and now it's being reinforced. And yeah, I don't want you to get the wrong idea about me, but you know, we talked about this previously—the sort of bloodless nature of the fight between Boba Fett and Black Crescenton and the rest of everybody that got involved in that fray. And you know, I'm not looking for you know bloody gory Star Wars or anything like that, but. You know, we talked about the disconnect between the apparent damage being dealt and what actually looked like the damage. And it happened again with Black Chrysanthemum in the Trandoshans in the sanctuary, in that moment where he rips the arm off a Trandoshan. So yeah, like that arm slaps to the floor and there's no blood, okay? It's just, I started thinking about this in terms of, is Star Wars actually bloody? <laughs> And, you know, it kind of is from time to time. So I was thinking about season one of The Mandalorian, for example, and when The Mandalorian is gravely injured near the end of the season and, you know, has to be helped medically with his injuries and he doesn't want to take off his helmet in front of a living being and IG-11 has, has to say, I'm not a living being. And so he can take his helmet off and we see him like bruised and bloodied and battered and whatnot. And then there's this scene where Grief Karga gets chomped by that pterodactyl thing and Grogu has to heal him. And with, of course, my utterly favorite moment of he's going to eat me, you know, but we see the, you know, the bloody wound on Grief Karga. And that's kind of similar to even thinking to the movies, the wound that Rey laid on Kylo Ren in The Rise of Skywalker, and then also, you know, the you know the giant serpent thing that had an open wound as well, but maybe that's a little bit different, you know, or like the, you know, sloppy severed head drop of Bulio onto a First Order conference table, like, usually Star Wars is not afraid of like you know a little bit of messiness per se and of course the arm thing too you go back to the you know, the bloody arm of Honda Baba on the floor of the cantina in A New Hope which you know lightsabers okay um <laughs> not cauterizing in this particular case but yeah it's just it's such a strange decision for it to you know really be like you know no evident injuries. It's like they pulled a Lego arm off the Trandoshan. I just, I'm, I'm not really sure why they've gone this way, but it seems very clear that they've gone this way and they're you know, making a point of making this a very bloodless situation. And then my you know, fifth one is basically a collection of just little tiny things like now knowing that Boba Fett didn't have his armor when he found Fennec Shand, then, you know, kind of raises the question, where did the spur noise come from? So there was that little noise of jangling spurs 
in the end of chapter five of the book of Boba Fett that had, or of the Mandalorian, excuse me, that had everybody speculating, oh my gosh, it's Boba Fett, he's coming back. But he didn't have his armor, so where did the spur noise come from? Like, still doesn't make sense. Then there's him flying around and telling Fennec Shan there's an advantage to people thinking that you're dead, but while they're actually raiding Jabba's palace, like, he gets that little, you know, mouse uh, rat catcher droid, and he's like, do you know who I am? I'm Boba Fett. Like, he's announcing it to this little rat catcher droid, and yet he's saying, oh, but I should, you know, be letting people think I'm dead. Huh? And even the title of the episode, The Gathering Storm, I don't even know how that applies to the episode, quite honestly. I mean, we know that the Pikes arrived and were getting themselves in position to do some damage, but there's no Pike activity at all in this episode, and there's no you know, creeping sense of menace or anything like that. It's just in the you know, current time period, Boba Fett having the meeting with the you know, various captains of, you know, former captains under Jabba who are now controlling various aspects of Mos Espa, like, you know, but they're not part of the gathering storm because they're agreeing to stay neutral and stay out of the way. So there's nothing gathering against him in that moment either. So yeah, it just seems a little odd. Oh, oh, the one thing I forgot to mention about the, the bloodless situation is with the mod parlor. So like they're doing major surgery on a gut shot Fennec Shan and that whole situation is practically bloodless too. So yeah, it, it's definitely a conscious choice they're making. I'm just so curious about it. I don't understand why. Anyway, so there you go. That's a list of questions that I just cannot shake in my head after chapter four of the book of Boba Fett. I'm still enjoying it. And I'm also, you know, sitting there with this extra, you know, freight train <laughs> running in my brain while I'm watching it going, but what about this? But what about that? And I'd love to know if you're having the same experience and, you know, at what level, like if it's, you know, constant with things in here or if it's just, you know, one or two things that are making you go, hmm, or something like that. So please let me know what you think. I would love to hear it. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always and may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items, are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders, may the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.